0: I know that most of you that are listening are women, and I believe I'd be pretty safe placing a bet that a pretty large percentage of you are mothers too. Motherhood is a very special thing. The connection that is created by a mother and child is something that exists only between them. Others can feel it too. But the direct union between a specific mother and child is something magic. To give an idea, I have found a couple of great quotes. Although the bond between a mother and her child is invisible, it's stronger than any man-made material in existence. And also, mothers and their children are in a category all of their own. There's no bond so strong in the entire world, no love so instantaneous and forgiving. Those of you that are listening that are mothers know exactly what I'm talking about, how strong that bond is, how long-lasting it is. But what if that bond is broken? What if something comes between that? As always, I have a thousand calls and cases I can talk about, but since I knew I'd be recording this on or around Mother's Day, I thought I'd do a case from a mother, one that actually is quite horrible, one that's probably one of the worst nightmares any mother can have, and the story doesn't end where you think it would. It just keeps going and going. Welcome back. To Music City,
1: 911. Hello, Toledo, so
2: 911, ma'am. Mm-hmm. My heart is beating out of my chest. I just got a call from one of my son's friends. Okay. Her phone number, I have it right here. She just picked my husband up too. My son and his girlfriend live out at Long Acre Lane. Mm -hmm. I believe that's Holland. This girl says she was on the phone with my son and his girlfriend, and he was supposed to go pick her up. He was telling her he was going out the door. And all she heard was the phone drop and heard my son saying in the background, who are you, what do you want, what are you doing here? And she said she just drove by the house, and the house looks ransacked. All the lights are on. My son's not answering, and neither is the girlfriend.
1: Okay, you said it was...
2: Yes, Lane. Okay. Oh, my God. Uh, I got heart problems and my heart's beating out of my chest right uh, now.
1: Alright, I understand. Do you know if, if that's all one word or is it two separate? It's No, it's separate words. Lawn Acre.
2: Yes, Long.
1: Lawn. L-O-N-G,
2: Acre. A-C-R-E, Lane. Oh, my God. Is she still there? No, she just came by here to pick up my husband. My son's dad, and I'm here with the other two younger kids. All right. What is your name? My name is Maite Vasquez-Clark. Oh, my God. I have the girl's phone number that he was talking to that heard all this going on in the background.
1: Okay. Her
2: parents, my son's girlfriend's girlfriend's parents are out of town. They left for uh, Puerto Rico two days ago. I don't know how to calm myself down. My heart's beating okay. out of my chest.
1: Okay. What did what did your son tell her?
2: My son was like, hey, Tiff, we're on our way out the door. We're coming to get you. And then all she hears is the phone drop and my son Johnny saying, who are you? What do you want? What are you doing here? Who are you? And no more, no more answers. That's all she hears. And then she says that she starts getting worried because neither of them are answering the phone. And she goes out there by the house and she sees all the lights are on and the cabinets look ransacked.
1: Okay, but you don't have any idea where your son's at?
2: He was there at the house with his girlfriend. That's where they're house-sitting
1: for her parents. Okay, but, but she doesn't... he wasn't there when she went over there? No,
2: no. She rang the doorbell and nobody came to the door, nothing. Oh, my God, ma'am. I'm so afraid something happened man. Okay. Oh, my God. Oh, what's your son's name? John S. Clark. Clark is with the E at the end.
1: Is he
2: white his girl, or Hispanic? He's white and uh, Hispanic. He looks more white than anything. And how old is he? He's 21. Date of birth is 4 15 And the girlfriend is... Okay,
1: here. is somebody going to meet us over there?
2: Uh, yeah, my husband's on his way there right now. Oh, my God, my hands are ice cold. My heart's beating out of my chest. I do I need to send you medical, ma'am? Please do.
1: Okay, let me get this call in real quick, then I'll send you medical, okay? But I
2: have these kids, okay, please make the call. Her, The girlfriend's name is Lisa Strauss. Okay,
1: what's your husband's name?
2: John P. Clark.
1: What kind of car is he driving?
2: I don't know what the girl's car is that picked him up. I'll give you the girl's phone number. The girl, right. Tiffany. Do you know how long it's going to take him to get over there? Probably 10 minutes. Oh, my heart. My God, I can't take this.
1: What's, what's his girlfriend's name?
2: Lisa Straub. S-T-R-A-U-B. What's her cell number? Um, this is his girlfriend. This is not the girl that called me from the cell number. The girl that called me is Tiffany. I don't know her last name, and her cell number is
1: 567. Okay, but we can get a hold of Lisa on that number?
2: No, Lisa's with Johnny. That's what I'm telling you. Lisa and Johnny, are boyfriend and girlfriend, they were leaving her mom's house. They were on the phone with this girl named Tiffany, the number I'm going to give you, the cell phone number that I'm going to give you. They were talking to her on the phone when all this commotion went down. I thought
1: the, I thought the girlfriend called you saying that she was on no. the phone.
2: No. No, not the girlfriend. Her friend. The girlfriend's friend called me. And she's the one that just came here now to pick my husband. my God, I can't take this. All
1: right, well, they're already en route. I'm just getting all this information, okay? Okay.
2: Let me give you Tiffany's cell phone number, okay?
1: Hang on. Oh, Lord.
2: Oh my God, please. I'm praying that my son is okay. Oh Lord. All right, what's Tiffany's cell? Okay. Oh man, my heart is beating out of my chest. I understand. Oh my God. Giovanni. Open the door so when the rescue squad gets here, you can let them in. I have to sit down on the bed, son. <sighs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Right, I am what's your address. address, ma'am? Yes.
1: What is your name? My A eh? Oh, my, my god Hang on. Yes. All right, stay on the line and talk to medical while they're on their way there, okay? Okay. Hang on.
2: Lord. Hello?
1: Hang on. Okay, ma'am, are they at the
3: residence yet? It's
0: Caymus.
1: Toledo with Danbury. Are you responding there?
0: Police were called to the scene to do essentially what is called a welfare check. A welfare check is something that is becoming more and more frequent for both dispatch and police. It generally is a call where police will go to the home of someone and make sure that everything is okay. That there is or has been no ill doings, no foul play. And obviously just general checking to make sure who the person that's being called about is okay. A lot of times, it will be outside agencies like a veteran watch group that will call because they got a call from a former service member who's expressing some bad feelings. Others can be from a mental crisis center who might get calls regarding the same type of thing, someone who called them and are having various mental problems and possibly could be suicidal and or homicidal. And believe it or not, we'll get calls from family members of a person we're checking on, sometimes because they have sent concerning text messages, but other times just because they live out of town from the person and it's been months or longer since they've heard from them. Calls like we just heard, they happen too. Most of the time though, they don't have the potentially sinister undertone that this one did. On January 30th, 2011 in Northern Ohio, just outside of Toledo, 21-year-old Johnny Clark picked up his girlfriend he had had since he was a teenager, Lisa Straub, from her job at American Eatery TGI Fridays. They drove from there to her parents' home, a nice mid-American house where they were house-sitting while her mother and father were out celebrating their 25th wedding anniversary with a cruise. A little after they arrived at her parents' house, they started trying to plan the rest of their evening calling friends to see if they wanted to go and play pool somewhere. At 10.41 p.m., Johnny called a friend to try to set up those plans. While on the phone, another friend by the name of Tiffany Williams called him. When Tiffany was on the phone with Johnny, she heard something disturbing. It was Johnny having a back and forth with someone in the background of the call. Johnny told Tiffany he would call her back. What was heard on the call... It was concerning enough that after repeated attempts to get him back on the phone and no answer via text or voice call, Tiffany called another friend who got in contact with Johnny's mom. This was just after she went over to the house herself and said she saw the place ransacked and all the lights were on. She relayed what she heard and saw, and that was concerning to Johnny's mom as well, who then called police for that welfare check. Police responded to the scene. In general, calls like a welfare check, police are limited as to what they can do. Most of the time, they will try to knock on the door of the house. They might have a look around to see if anything looks obviously out of place and might turn door handles to see if they're unlocked. Even if they are unlocked, depending on the circumstances of the call, they might not be able to enter the home to investigate further. When they went this time, they got no answer at the door and nothing immediately struck them as being out of the ordinary. When something like this happens, police have no other choice but to check in service and respond to the next call. In this case, police went there and saw nothing bad. They didn't see anything inside the house that was ransacked. They noticed the TV was on, but couldn't see very much else. Also, being this was in the middle of the winter in northern Ohio, There was a decent amount of snow on the ground and that snow did not look disturbed. For the police, they were at the limit of what they could do. They needed probable cause to make entry into the house and probable cause isn't something that can or should be played around with. On the good side of things, if used correctly, it could prevent someone from getting harmed or worse. On the bad side, Someone who means to cause you harm or to harass you could call in one of these check-the-welfare-type calls when absolutely nothing is wrong. If probable cause was chucked out the window, police would just bust down the door and come inside your house and search around when likely nothing is or was ever wrong. There are ways to reach that probable cause state, too. If the doors and windows are secured, the homeowner could give permission to make a forcible entry into the home. As was said before, the owners of the home were on a cruise ship, and even if there was a pretty thorough attempt at reaching them, they probably couldn't because they were in the middle of the ocean. Past that, they would need what most agencies call an exigent circumstance. They would need some sort of visual or audible evidence that something is wrong inside the house. A visual of someone that's obviously hurt or hearing someone inside the house screaming for help, and they would have to do so by reasonable means. When police responded to this home, none of that was immediately found. Johnny's mother still wasn't convinced everything was okay. She decided to drive to the house and try to get more answers. While on the way over there at 2.27 a.m., she called police again.
2: Listen, ma'am, I am a concerned mother. My son was in Long Acre Lane with his girlfriend house-sitting. Lisa Straub lives there because her parents went to Puerto Rico two days ago. I get a phone call about a half an hour ago from his friend Sherita that some girl named Tiffany called her saying that Johnny and Lisa were supposed to pick her up at 11 o'clock, and she was on the phone with Johnny, my son, When he was walking out of his house, his girlfriend's house with his girlfriend, to come get her, and supposedly she heard a guy in the background screaming at my son and my son saying, what do you want, who are you, get away from us, and what have you. Okay, Okay, four cop cars were already out at this residence. They're not there, and her car is in the driveway. I want to know where my son's at. I want to know where my son and his girlfriend are at. I want to know if they got abducted by whoever tried to assault them and rob them. And it's pretty funny that this girl named Tiffany, which is there right now by the residence, waits two hours to call somebody and report
1: this. Okay. Well, like I said, we were out there. There was nothing going on there. Okay. Where is my son and his girlfriend and her car in the driveway? How would I know that, ma'am?
2: I need to report my son missing.
1: Okay. Um, where are you at? I'm coming up to the residence right now. Well, which which residence? Uh, Lisa's okay. house. Okay. I need an address.
2: Long Acre okay. Lane. And what's your name? My name is Maite Vasquez Clark. This is the street, I think, mama. Long Acre, this is it. This is it. This is it. Okay, I'm with my phone cousin phone? right now that's in the military. Okay. What's your phone number? My phone number is four one nine. I want this girl's plate number before we go anywhere so I can give it to the sheriff on the phone. And they're back pulling in the driveway? I want this plate number. Ma'am, I'm gonna give you this plate number, okay? Mm-hmm. That this girl's car is driving. I'm gonna stay calm. I am will you stay on the phone with me, ma'am, while I talk to this girl?
1: Don't touch anything. Okay, who are want you wanna to talk to? Ask,
2: OK, listen, here's the plate number. That is the girl's, uh, the plate number of the car that this girl is driving that my son was supposed to supposedly pick up. Now, these two people right here, um, that's Johnny's phone.: Oh, I don't know. It's my parents, probably Call them back. I know do: Oh my God,
1: ma'am. Okay, is it, what kind of vehicle is it? Um,
2: Ma- what kind of vehicle is that you're driving? What is it? A Corolla? I have a feeling you set up my son. My son is missing. He's nowhere to be found. Do you want to tell the police what you just got done telling me on the phone? Okay, come here. Ma'am, I'm going to let you talk to her because I have her blocked in the uh, Lisa house driveway. Okay? Okay. Here. You tell them what you I will, you. hello? Okay, What's
1: what's going on?
3: Okay. Um, my friend Johnny and Lisa—they were supposed to come pick me up. Me and uh, my friend from our house, and this was like 11 o'clock. And um, he, um, I was on the phone with his girlfriend Lisa, and then he hung up. And um, we all hung up. He said they were on their way, and then he. I called Johnny right back because I was gonna tell him that um, I was gonna run to the store and then I was I would meet them at the house. Well, um, he was yelling at somebody like um, I'm on. He go he goes, bro, who who are you? And then um, I I called he called him right back and he didn't answer. So I text my friend Lisa's phone and I was like, um, where are you? are you guys okay? And they have not answered to me or nothing. They have not answered the phone and I've been calling and calling and calling. So I drove out to their house after um, my friend's mom got home and um, nobody answered the door. So I drove back by our house to see if maybe they went to his mom's house and um, he wasn't there. So his dad called my phone and I was like, do you want to ride out there? And he said, yeah, and I brought him out here. And now his mom's arguing with me saying I set him up. And, you know, they're my friends, and I'm worried about them, and I don't have, you know, I'm worried about my friends because they were supposed to come pick me up, and they never showed up.
1: Okay, does anyone have, what's, what's the son's name, what's her son's name, Johnny, is that his
3: name? Yeah, Johnny Clark.
1: Does anyone have, have his phone number?
3: Yeah, I do, but his phone's shut off. Okay. And um, she see, and we was calling, and it was ringing, and then it was shut off all of a sudden. And then I was calling my friend's phone, and I've been texting her, asking her if she's okay, or are they okay, because they wasn't answering. And then I texted her, like, last I talked to you, um, I heard him arguing, and then now all of a sudden they haven't picked up the phone or nothing. Okay. Are you
1: out, are There is there a couple officers where you guys yeah, are there's right?
3: some. Yeah, there's some officers out here. Okay, why don't you go talk to them, and they can help you, okay? Okay, I'll put his mother back on the phone. Okay, actually,
1: I don't need to talk to her. She okay. just to the officers. Okay? Okay? All
3: right.
0: Bye-bye. Police went back to the scene because of this new call. If nothing else, they needed to keep the peace between the mother and the friend, Tiffany. It was pretty obvious during the call that there was a layer of suspicion towards Tiffany. The timeline that was given was pretty large, over two hours. Not to mention that it was completely out of sorts for Johnny to not be in contact with his mom. He lived there in the house with his parents, still, at age 21. He was trying to save money to go to barber school and later opened his own barber shop. He and his mother talked on the phone regularly when he wasn't at home. He was a full-on mama's boy, and it showed from the language and concern his mom had while on the phone with police. But still, she thought Tiffany knew something. Police did make it back over there, as was heard at the end of the call. Again, with everyone there at Lisa's house now, they looked around extensively, but couldn't find anything that looked odd. Her car was there. Everyone there believed that they were inside. They couldn't prove it enough, though, for police to make entry into the home. Before leaving, one of the officers reportedly told Johnny's father, As an officer, I can't tell you to go in that home, but as a parent, I would wait for us to leave and then go in. Police then left and the family and friends left briefly to a nearby gas station, but returned to look further and see if they could find something that would give reason to go inside. After going back to the home, they went around to the back of the house and saw a very small opening through one of the blinds. The window the blinds were on were at a height that no one could just stand there and look through. So Johnny's father gave a boost to someone else that was there so they could look through while Johnny's mom was waiting in the car. What they found was truly terrifying. Actress Katherine Heigel, a passionate animal advocate who has saved over 16,000 dogs, says she's been seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. She believes there's a link between canine health and diet. After extensive research, she developed Superfood Complete, a dog food pack with over 30 wholesome ingredients, including superfoods beneficial for your furry friend. Superfood Complete isn't just about deliciousness, though dogs love the taste. It's about supporting overall well-being. In addition to providing a healthy option for your pets, Badlands Ranch, the maker of Superfood Complete, also supports the Jason DeBus Heigl Foundation, which helps rescue countless dogs and find them loving homes. Dogs across America are trying this food and loving it. Go to badlandsranch.com/mc901 and order right now to get up to 50% off your regular price order with a 90-day money back guarantee. If you want your dog to experience all these incredible things, go to badlandsranch.com/mc901 today. After police had been called twice to the home of Lisa Straub because of a suspicious call while her boyfriend Johnny was on the phone with a friend, nothing dubious had been found. After police left that second time, Johnny's family and friends made a startling discovery.
2: Oh my God. You need to get the police out to Long Acre Lane. My son is in the basement tied up of this house. I just saw him through the window. I The police were out here earlier and did absolutely nothing. Both cell phones are on the ground and we can see the people. Him and his girlfriend are tied
1: up in the basement. Okay. All right. We'll get them out there. Get them out here! I told them ma'am, and they okay, would me. You need to calm down. We'll get them out there. But this yelling at God. me is they're unconscious. Gonna... They're unconscious, ma'am. Oh, Okay. You said they're unconscious? Yes. Okay. All right. With cell phones on their body. With cell phones on their body. She's with in clothes uh,
2: on uh, She only has pants
1: on. Okay. And the hands are tied. Okay. All right. We'll get them out there, ma'am. Oh my God. I need you to calm down. We'll get him out there, okay? Oh my God, please hurry. All right, we will. Long Acre. Okay, I have Long Acre Lane. I have the address. We'll get him out there. Goodbye.
0: The dispatcher in the first call seemed concerned with what was potentially happening there on Long Acre. She got police on the way while getting a good amount of info, just the right amount that was needed while remaining calm and understanding of what the caller was going through. The second call, after police had already been out to investigate and found nothing, relaying that to the mother wasn't met very well. She still wanted something to be done. And this last call, I'm not sure if it was the same dispatcher as on the other calls, but if it was, she went from understanding on the first one to what sounded like being extremely annoyed at this call. Police had been there twice and found nothing. I can see where a dispatcher might get agitated or repeated calls from someone after something had already been investigated multiple times. But once there was info passed along about there possibly being bodies there at the scene, that should have changed. I'm not saying it was ever okay to be like that on the phone. Even if you are agitated, don't let it come through on the call. Just listen to what's being said, give what info or instructions you need to, and get help started. Before we move on to what happened and before police made it back out to the scene, another short call was placed from the same location. This one with a bit more of what happened.
1: Lucas County nine one one. Oh my god, uh, we just called the police here I'm lawmaker.
3: Yes, but we need a rescue Clawby! He's got a big horse. Are okay. oh, we going to see through the window, please? We've got them on their way already, okay? Yes, I'm sorry. That's all
1: right. Stay on the line. I'm going to transfer oh everybody Okay? Okay.
0: After police left that second time, Johnny's father helped boo someone to peek in the window in the back of the house. It was enough to see legs laying on the floor and a dresser knocked over. At this point, Johnny's father ran around to the front and kicked in the door. Once everyone got inside, the place was an absolute mess. Drawers and cabinets opened and rifled through, then dumped on the floor. Furniture turned over. Mattresses knocked off the beds. A panel leading to the attic was opened. And clothes in the closets were thrown on the floor as well. They also found both Lisa and Johnny on the floor, laying down. Lisa with her hands bound behind her back with duct tape. Johnny with his hands and legs bound, both by duct tape and they both had plastic bags over their heads, which were secured with duct tape wrapped tightly around their necks. The family were hoping something could be done to save them. Johnny's father ripped the plastic bags off his son's head, but it was already too late. Both Johnny and Lisa were already dead. Once the investigation into the deaths began, police had a huge amount of evidence to go through. In the kitchen where the two bodies were found, there were several things to note. Two broken cell phones were found. Also, two knives were removed from a knife block on the counter and found laying on the kitchen counter and the island. Johnny had his pants partially down exposing his underwear, and his shirt was pulled up. His wallet was found containing his ID and no money laying on top of his stomach. Lisa also had her shirt pulled up just below her bra, exposing her abdomen. A folder that had alarm documents were on the kitchen table. There was a scale on the kitchen island, and two marijuana seeds were close to the corner of the room. Partial shoe prints were also found. In a couple of rooms of the house, nothing at all was moved around. Other rooms had what I was talking about earlier. Contents of drawers dumped out, clothes thrown around, etc., After doing a thorough investigation, it seems like very little was stolen from the house. $40 was left for Lisa to purchase pizza with. That was taken from a jar containing some change. Various jewelry was left there at the scene. Whoever had done this, it became pretty apparent they were looking for something very specific. Interviews began and theories started flying. Earlier, in October of the previous year, Johnny and Lisa wanted to buy a puppy from a friend named Alex. They agreed to pay $100 for the dog, but only gave 50 Later on, closer to Thanksgiving, a car was purchased for $1,500. But again, only half the money changed hands. One of the bigger theories that was floated around was that somewhere in the house, there was a hidden safe potentially containing around $100,000. There was also talk about this being possibly a drug-related issue. The last couple seemed to be a bit better of a match with all the items that were gone through in the house. Investigators also believed that there had to have been more than one suspect. Johnny was a pretty stout guy, being five eleven and weighing 205 pounds. It would be nearly impossible for him to be overpowered by a single person and put in a position with his hands and feet where they could be bound like they were. There was damage to the interior garage door leading into the house, possibly like someone had pushed their way in while someone was trying to hold the door on the other side. And then there was the other evidence. There was a lot of potential evidence there, but with very few leads. DNA samples were taken from everywhere they could. One detective remarked that the house, though, from an investigative perspective, was remarkably clean. Few, if any, fingerprints were found that weren't identified as people that were supposed to be there. Even though there was DNA from multiple people found at the crime scene, the DNA was unmatched with anything that was on file. That was aside from one small item found there. A cigarette butt was found and had two sets of DNA on it. DNA from that was matched to Sam Williams and Cameo Pedalway. Both were questioned about the murder. Sam had several previous run-ins with the law before the murder. Three domestic violence charges, assault, burglary and threats to an ex-wife he had a warrant for one of the dv charges and he originally thought the night he was arrested it was because of that or something else related to one of the previous charges sam claimed over and over again that he didn't know where he was the night of the murder he said essentially he was homeless randomly sleeping on couches of friends cameo was also brought in both were charged with two counts of aggravated murder two counts of kidnapping And one count of burglary cameo was tried in court but was found to not have enough evidence presented to merit the charges likely due to a miranda violation and the case was dismissed it was also ruled that he wouldn't be charged for the same crime again due to double jeopardy sam nearly had the same thing happen but a series of incriminating phone calls to cameo and his brother along with a very crucial thing that happened while he was being held in jail set him on a different path in court a man named eric yingling testified against sam he was serving time for unpaid child support and was sam's cellmate he said that sam confessed all about the murders to him in private eric said that he was pouring info out like he was in a confessional talking to a priest sam had told him that they were looking for drugs and money and that after yelling at johnny Asking where the stash was and getting nowhere with it, they brought Lisa in and sat them in chairs facing each other. That's when they started to torture Lisa by putting the plastic bag over her head. They would leave the bag on her head, hold it until she passed out, then remove the bag to let her breathe again. On the third time she passed out, she never woke up. He said Sam was haunted by the sound of the plastic bag, making noises while Lisa was struggling to breathe inside of it. Sam, of course, claimed that he was set up and it didn't happen, but the court didn't believe him. All of these things, along with the cigarette butt, led to the conviction of Sam Williams. He was sentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole. Although Cameo got lucky in his trial, he continued with his life of crime and has been arrested since the murders. served six years in prison after assaulting his girlfriend just two months after the murders were dismissed he is currently in jail awaiting trial for another felonious assault where he shot someone in january of 2020. since all this happened even more has gone on there's still belief that there was more than just two suspects in the crime but it's unknown how many whoever they are they're possibly still walking free from this the friend Tiffany Williams, she was also suspected by Johnny's parents in having some sort of involvement with this. She knew the place was ransacked, but when police got there, they couldn't see inside the house. How would she have known it was like that without being inside? Three years after the murders happened, the parents had a revenge plan. They were going to kill Tiffany. They followed her into an alley, and John's father shot at her twice, narrowly missing her head. They fled the scene and were later arrested in their home, with John's mother answering door, saying that she didn't know where her husband was. He was found hiding in a bedroom and had rolling papers and marijuana in his possession. He was arrested for the attempt on Tiffany's life, as well as assorted other charges, including the drug possession. John's mother was arrested for retaliation and obstruction of justice stemming from when she lied about the whereabouts of her husband. John Clark was held on a $100,000 bond and his mother was going to be released on a $250 bond. One of the reasons was that they had a 13-year-old son and she needed to find a place for him to go while they might be in jail. The judge quickly revoked that after she said while she was in jail that she would kill herself when she got home. Johnny's dad ended up being sentenced to four years in prison and his mom two years. Even though it seems that this is all over and done with, the web of multiple crimes before and after the murders I have a feeling we're likely going to be hearing more about this case in the coming years that'll do it for this one as always follow the show on all social media which are linked in the show notes if you haven't seen it yet I've recently started uploading current and previous episodes to YouTube just search for Music City 911 and you'll find me there Be sure to hit the subscribe and bell notification so you'll know when a new episode gets released. The Facebook discussion group, I've mentioned that several times. There's quite a bit more to this case that I just talked about. I have a good feeling it's going to be talked about more in that group. So if you're not in it, might be a good time to go ahead and head over there. If you have friends or family that you chat with about true crime stuff, be sure to tell them about my show as well. That's the best way to help the show continue to grow. Until next time, for Music City 911, I'm Brandon, and y'all have a good